listening to Grim, the mature audience history podcast, dark histories, true crime, salacious stories by historians for your R-rated educational intellect. This is Grim. From 1946 to 1948, the United States government conducted human STD experiments involving orphans, lepers, and in a mental health asylum, tying patients down with restraints to forcibly infect them. Patients ran away, hid, had gonorrhea pus smeared into their eyes, vaginas, rectums by doctors were forced by doctors to drink cankeroids that were ground up from STD positive patients from laboratory glass beakers had their genitals sliced and stabbed syphilis emulsions rubbed into their eyes and broken skin injected into the base of their skulls and into their spinal columns the United States Surgeon General signed off on this unethical blight join Grimm as we investigate for you America's offshore, ethically impossible human experiments, human subjects, secret medical experimentation that we bring for you into the light. I think it's hard to compare the two of them. They're so, extensions of one another. And They're with part syphilis, of the same, it's the same doctors. In yeah, studies. Cutler's involved in almost all of them. I mean, his whole like biography pretty much reads like a history of. So, which other bioethical violation did he have? And he then was the dean me, of the medical school here at Pitt, as a matter of fact, and he tried to get them at their medical school to do studies in Guatemala and in Jamaica, and they wound up doing some shit in like Allegheny County. But he was trying to actually get them to go back to Guatemala, and it's scary to think what. He he would have done if he wasn't at least partially inhibit United States law or with the Tuskegee experiments. Because like, well, I mean, with that one, the horror is the fact that people are sick. And at one point, you now have a cure for this right. illness. But you are deliberately and knowingly not going to treat these people for this illness. In fact, you're going to actually make sure that they don't get the cure for this illness right. and just continue to let them suffer and their families and children. So it's a different type of horror. To but the I mean, point where they finally did begin treating some of these people. He's like, no, 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 the experiment's not over yet. This is what, like 40 years? years later yeah he never went back on the idea that what he had done was, was wrong good yeah. like, it was no just like- he was on a nova special justifying tuskegee because everybody knew about tuskegee and he was like my only regret is that we weren't able to do it longer and continue it i mean he was a full-fledged believer he saw himself as doing something for the greater good literally nobody knows about any of this research There were 6,000 people. If you look at the total number of people involved, probably about 3,000 in the being fucked with as test subjects and probably 6,000 altogether were involved with like clinicians and people in the government in Guatemala and people in the United States. It's a wonder that it didn't actually get out, but it would have not been found hadn't he actually put those boxes of handwritten notes. He donated them to the university in the 90s before he wound up passing. And like I think two years after he passed, Reversby found that shit. Yeah, because he died in – yeah, Cutler died in 2003. She found the papers in 2005, so years That's after. That's very a cavalier attitude to take with him. I'll just donate it to somebody. Some, he someone else were, will, uh, in will, some way valuable. There was He didn't see anything wrong. No. A lot Most, most people should be burning that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Millions of dollars of resources. 
resources were dumped into that stuff. If you look at like what they were doing too, like the reason why he's putting pus in her eyes and stuff too is like to, it's all to mimic the actual stuff that would have maybe happened. Like if you're birthing, like if somebody's born, you're going to come out of the birth canal and as a baby being born, you're going to get that in your eyes. Babies are born from syphilitic mothers and their eyes are fucked up. So he was trying to mimic that. And the, oh, one of the other fucking crazy mad science sounding things that he would do is, is mimic kissing and oral sex by slicing off cankers from three different army guys, grounding them up, putting them in fucking sciency beakers and mix them with water and have people drink that shit to mimic like kissing and oral sex. It's fucking absolutely, it's, it's horrific to think about. 20 cc's of water, they would mix in with cankers from three different guys and people were inoculated with like 11 different strains of things like, like zoological strains too from rabbits as well as from people who are trying to see if you got syphilis, if like maybe you would then be immune to it or could you get more than one strain at a time like these were unanswered questions and you wouldn't have been able to even come up with pure answers when your methodology is like that because even if you got an answer what was the cause of it you gave them like six different things so like what was what happened with birth at the end it's just like let's see what else we could do at this like that's not even going to answer anything so you're not even like performing good science it's like sadistic 13 year old boys when you get 13 year olds when they give them the frogs to dissect you just want to mash the organs Is that what you did, yeah. Adam? Here's a question for the group. You mentioned that the Guatemala experiments didn't come up with anything. There was no new importance, nothing yeah. like that. What if they did come up with something catastrophic, like a cure for cancer? Not that they were testing for that, but what if they changed the scenario and say they did come up with something medically significant, like historically mm-hmm. medically significant? Would that change? Them? Would that change your opinion I, about what happened? I can definitely. I mean, I, these. Yeah. Things have been debated because the Nazi experiments. These things yeah. have been debated. You have but, but in the nineteen thirties and forties. Okay. You have yeah. the German scientists. They discover the link between some cancer. They are doing research on trauma from car crashes and accidents and airplane crash. They have airbags, have ejector seats coming out of this. So much research that genetics. I mean, the like how much of our genetic of information yeah. comes from you know German scientists in the nineteen forties? Medical textbooks on anatomy yeah. and physiology. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt on this. You should use the knowledge. Like I don't have any doubt. Like, the University of Victoria does. They made survival suits for people out in the ocean. Your boat goes down. One of the things that they experimented on, the Nazi scientist, Dr. Sigmund Rascher, was involved in tests for the Luftwaffe. If you got shot down over the North Sea, you're going to have decompression in your chamber. So they would do high altitude experiments and then you would fall into a cold sea. And then so they would do hypothermia experiments. And then you would also then only have salt water. So they were trying to make something to make salt water be able to be drank for a little while. So they were doing these tests of having people not drink water until they died and stuff like that. But the University of Victoria uses their life vests based on Sigmund Rascher's discovery that if you pad the back of the neck, then you'll live twice as long in cold temperatures in colder so they use it but the american medical association on the other side of the coin says these were discovered these things were discovered by unethic human experimentation by killing people to bring them to the brink of death and back and then like let them die to see the endurance of the human body so we can't use it the american medical association says no to using but the american army is all yeah. over that shit we, it's a hotly right, debated topic Right, you don't approve of the mean, like the knowledge. The knowledge, the knowledge is there. Right, I mean, I think you can stand on safe ethical ground saying that you don't approve of the means by which it was obtained. But, but it's there. But if it's there, yeah, yeah. you need to acknowledge the we, things and like what happened. If we came up with a cure for cancer by doing something hugely unethical.
or like that, yeah. or are we not going to use it? Fear. If my relative or it's me that's dying, fuck no, like use it. Yeah. I don't care how well, they found like what it. what you hear use about it. like the stem cell research now. Exactly. It's kind of the exact same argument. You're kind of stuck in a position where you either have to recreate the experiment and spend more money you, to say, okay, well, I, I've recreated ethically now. We can, the modern world will either put you in a position where you use it and go like, well, well we have to understand this came from an unethical background but the knowledge still exists or can we recreate the outcome yeah but that delay of you can we replicate the same thing i wouldn't necessarily think it was a huge problem to try to recreate it because if you are doing something hugely unethical to get the result i would like to have experiment to make sure that we did a better way no not better (laughs) but that what you're claiming is true if i see somebody who's doing mad science you've like already broken all these other rules and laws so this a does come to be like not necessarily just but if already working if yeah it's, it's already, already it's already done like he's okay. not, they're not currently they already have it. products that use that information well ethically like as an extension Brittany, to your argument in germany itself the doctors that were being given these human subjects were told these are murderers who are sentenced to die so it would make them feel better about it and they tried to involve universities the university of kiel was in on these hypothermia experiments for like the first year and then i guess months into it they were like whoa all right wait wait this is some fucked up shit and they pulled out and they couldn't get universities in on it after that no. but that also begs the question just because they're criminals that make it better yeah that's it's kind of, well that's holmesburg like, you actually have 100 percent proof that the knowledge is good to use that yes i am a proponent of using it but i don't think you should ever forget those victims should be compensated disclaimer on the life vest <laughs> let, let me read this small history lesson while you're in the north sea freezing yeah. to death. no but i mean like in books it shouldn't be covered up Ethically Impossible, the title of the presidential report and this podcast comes from a New York Times article in 1947. Prior to these studies, Cutler had read the article in the New York Times and corresponds with his superiors. And what it's saying is that there would be great value in doing more syphilis experiments, but we would have to inject people, which would be ethically impossible. <laughs> and wink, Cut- wink, nod, nod, nudge, and nudge. Cutler says to his bosses, all right, yeah. It is ethically impossible to do it here, but it does, as the article says, need to be done. So let's do it, but be secret about it. And that's what they tell him, too. And there used to be, by the way, I should mention the Thomas Peran Award. The Surgeon General who signed off on all this, once it came out, there was a Thomas Peran Award for excellence in the medical community and they were like we have to change the name of this award like right (laughs) away (laughs) well in a similar fashion so cutler was the appointed professor of international health at the university of pittsburgh and he had a series a lecture series named after his name at the university of pittsburgh but once his role in the (laughs) tuskegee and guatemala std experiments guy yeah (laughs) award lecture series they changed the name afterwards they were like maybe not so did they never publish anything after the experiments were shut down never nothing no. well the guatemala, Not guatemala did okay the guatemalans published but did they put the u.s in no cutler stuff no they distanced themselves okay. and as a matter of fact citing things cutler would write articles and he would cite things that he knew from doing those experiments in guatemala and he would misleadingly cite it and if you follow the citation it would lead to nowhere <laughs> and he also cited another thing one of his citations was a conversation with jm Funes from whatever year that was, 1948 or something like that. 
Hmm. But he never published it because he realized that as much as he thought that there was value in what he done, that it was not going to go over well. But that's where he draws that's, the yeah. line after everything else you've done going up to this point. I didn't find anything. It's all embarrassing. Let me just tuck it away. He wrote his research <laughs> notes <laughs> he didn't with find anything reflection. Most of the experiment. Yeah. Up to 10 years later, because he knew he wasn't going to publish it, he started to write reports about his stuff to leave in the boxes for the donation in the 1950s, he's writing summaries of everything and he's fluffing it too. What he's doing is putting more value on it than there actually was. And so when we go back and read it, it's very idealistic. Doesn't make it better. But that's why we have a Nuremberg Code now. Yeah. You know, we can't do this with captive populations because if you just look at like the Terre Haute prisoners, when Cutler was doing experiments on the Terre Haute prisoners in Indiana, I mean, there were really thorough waivers that these guys were made to sign. But then the argument is like, yeah, but you're going to give them a hundred. It was only a hundred bucks. They were going to give them a hundred bucks and a nice letter to the parole board. But I mean, a letter to the parole board is a big deal. Actually, if you're in prison, it's yeah. the difference of sitting in a cell and getting some sunshine. Other There's probably shit going on right now in the third world. These are the ethical questions I think that we have to ask ourselves because these are populations of peoples that are protected today. Nuremberg was going on at the time and we have articulated it since that these are people that need to be protected even more. But historically, man, if you go back and you look at like who was being experimented on, it was all people that couldn't really stand up for themselves. Victorians loved <clears throat> experimenting on people in asylums. Like, oh, we'll just go into Asylums, we'll, we'll army, see what they need. orphanages. Mm-hmm. They did that shit here in Philadelphia. They went in orphanages, the Holmesburg prison. When mm-hmm. I was doing the research for this, I was like, well, let me put it in perspective. And the army has kept doing experiments. They're probably doing it now because it didn't stop. Holmesburg prison, 90% of people just in Pennsylvania, just as a little sidebar to unethical shit, they were being, they were having like Agent Orange, like injected into them and fucking rubbed on their face just to see like how it would affect them and being dosed with LSD by the army so that they could see like how do we disable like 50% of a population somewhere with LSD let's try it on a whole fuck ton of prisoners I would have hated to be in Holmesburg prison well I mean generally like (laughs) anywhere but especially Holmesburg they're gonna fucking inject me with LSD and fucking rub Agent Orange on my skin to see how it affects my skin with chronic exposure. The Holmesburg prison experiments ran from about 1951 to 1974, and they were under the dermatologist Dr. Albert Klingman, who was from the University of Pennsylvania, and he accepted different grants from the U.S. Army, like you said, to study dioxide, which was a component of Agent Orange, which was banned, obviously, by the government later on, but they were still trying it. Mm -hmm. And the experiments ranged anywhere from, like, testing perfume and how it would react on your skin all the way up to testing dioxide or actually they had radioactive isotopes at the prison too that they were sometimes human lab basically yeah. and a lot of times what they would do is they would tell these they wouldn't tell the inmates what they were receiving but they would compensate them with money cigarettes and shit were the obviously the money mainstay. wasn't what it should have been i mean we're talking like 30 to 50 dollars on average to participate in one of these studies which doesn't sound like a lot but when you compare it to all the other jobs in the prison that was significantly higher than what they would have been given for any other job in the jail so hey, most we're of about the men, to drop agent orange on a bunch of Viet Cong. let's test it on you guys first so most of them were like yeah like There's give me the money at one point you could pay 10 percent of your bail that would actually end your sentence early so I'm, this could be a quick way to save money and, and that's yeah, after, all, after all your hair falls out right. like, you know, now of course they still don't know what they're population. getting yeah you're not aware and like even if they told you what you were getting you don't know what the repercussions of that is yeah. going to be I and they're going to downplay it they're not going to say we're shooting this at the via Kong. they're not saying that to them no I'm like sure. if they're using any type of like radioactive they're like oh this won't hurt you well 
what? Yes, it will. Like it's not gonna not hurt you. And so, they were giving him something like five hundred times the amount of stuff that was approved because it was Dow Chemical was making the Agent Orange. Yeah, and they were like, "Well, we can give him such and such an amount." And the guys actually at the prison were like, "Nah, that's not really doing anything." Let's fucking put a whole bunch more on. They put something like 500 times the amount that they were told was it, was okay. for the, Agent the, Orange to, ended to up wrecking them. American soldiers anyway, yeah. like on top of that. Yeah. Haven't they tried to sue us because of Agent Orange too? Mm-hmm. All of these unethical experiments, they're military in nature when you look at it at its core. Mm-hmm. Especially with this Guatemala thing. The idea was to make an equivalent of like a morning after pill. They, I guess they assumed overseas all of these soldiers are going to be bunch of guys over 200,000 no girlfriends with the amount of cost to like treat the disease that would take them out of rotation no penicillin yet started at least to see if the effectiveness of penicillin will be something you can just give to them like you you know that's brand new right you found a hooker or something like that just pop this pill afterwards and you know you won't get syphilis you can go back to war like it's it was a prophylaxis like they wanted like a lotion like a wash like you could wash your genitals after exposure and they had given these guys something that was developed by the army ahead of time Prior to the invention of penicillin, it was something that you had to actually inject into your penis. So most soldiers, as you can imagine, it's not totally effective in the first place. And then I'm going to inject my penis because I that would be a big that would be a deterrent. (laughs) They weren't using it. (laughs) If this is the only option, I'm not going to do it in the first place. (laughs) Guatemalan environments, right? They went half inch into the penis, right, to cut that. (laughs) (laughs) What you were saying to inoculate them because they didn't call it infecting because they didn't know if it actually would take. But when they tried to infect them, inoculate them, they would take like toothpicks and slide the infective material into their urethra. And what they found was that like, it worked, I mean, obviously it worked way better, like the further they shoved that shit in there. When they only put it in a little bit, sometimes it didn't actually work. You had actually like infective shit in there from like cankers, syphilis, and gonorrhea. They were trying all three and putting it inside of your penis and the crazy thing is that a motherfucker would hold that shit for like an hour and a half. They would hold their penises for that long to make sure that it was not going to go anywhere. And that they sometimes these motherfuckers would run away. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes they were like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, this is like mad science experiment shit. That's what it kind of smacks of, right? But when they put it in there like a couple of inches, then it would usually, I think it had like a 98 point something percent infection rate. Whereas just kind of putting it in the very tip, like you really only had like a 50% infection rate. I think the one thing that they, the only one thing that Cutler kind of learned from these things is that it was actually more difficult for you to contract venereal disease than researchers had believed in the first place. That was the only thing that well, actually yeah, came out During World of War II, they ran a giant campaign. You know, it's the protect yourself from the axis, get prophylaxis. They so, never came up with one surefire way to even infect people because, like, there was always... Mm-hmm. There were always pitfalls. Like, it was actually harder than... They're like, oh, it'll be easy. We'll go down to Guatemala, find a whole bunch of... One of the things that the presidential report does not mention is that the very first thousand people that were experimented on with penicillin for trying to get rid of STDs were American Army personnel and it worked mm-hmm. and that was 1944 that was the first time it ever worked i remember researching that when i was researching quite a while ago about unethical human experiments in nazi death camps and this stuff smacks of nazism in a lot of ways one of the things to put in perspective is the fact that the united states after we beat germany in the war we and all of our allies were tripping over ourselves to try to snatch up their doctors and scientists Mm -hmm. to bring them to wherever it was russia canada 
the UK, the United States, they were smart people, whether they were Nazis or not, they were just smart German scientists. And the father of the space program, right, is yeah. Werner von Braun. Mm-hmm. He was a former Nazi scientist. These guys think in a way, the research in particular in Guatemala that we're talking about is going toward the United States Army. Cutler himself, like two of his brothers, had died actually fighting World War II, and he was thinking of it as these are just casualties. They weren't referred to as patients. They were subjects or test material. It's one of the ways it gets unethical is if you know there's a treatment available that's effective. Even there were kind of suspect studies in the 80s, and or actually no, 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 in the 90s, and Clinton found out about them. There were HIV studies in Africa where they had already developed the first generation of AZT. They knew they had a drug that worked for HIV pretty well, like not perfect. The the new ones are way better. It's a combination treatment. But the first one was pretty effective right away. And when they were in Africa, they would give people placebo to test like the second generation of HIV drugs. So you're taking people you really know have HIV and half of them, you're giving them nothing. And you're actually giving them worse than nothing. You're giving them something to make sure that they get sick and they vomit. And the other people are getting the new drug. And when Clinton found out about this, he thought it was really unethical. It was the same kind of thing what we're talking about with Guatemala. They went somewhere they knew it'd be easier to do the test. That's why they went to Africa. Africa. But there was actually an ethical argument in the other direction saying if we weren't there testing these drugs, they wouldn't get anything. So at least you're getting a 50% chance of getting a treatment that might work. But most people are like, all right, that's pretty fucked up. You're giving people who really have HIV nothing when you know a treatment is available. So that's like one of the standards we use in bioethics is if you genuinely don't know which course of treatment's better, well, that makes it ethical, right? So there's a drug that we know works and there's this new drug. So you can test an old drug versus a new drug and that's ethical because you genuinely don't know which group you'll be better off in. But to give people something that's just a placebo when you know there's an available treatment, that's pretty messed up. So that's probably the most recent one I can think of that's pretty suspect. And that was in the 90s, HIV drugs. Grim and serious stuff today for your ethical consideration. And just so that you know, we are Joe Woji and Brittany Smith, world and American history professors, respectively, with today ethics professor Tim Collins, as well as Ted Sisko, Adam Maiezi. Consider supporting this podcast on patreon.com backslash grimphilly to help us keep bringing more content to you. Find us at grimphilly.com for Grim the Tours and Grim the Podcast. Thank you for learning with us. Thank you for listening. Keep it beautiful, always, and keep it grim.